Well, good evening, everybody. I'm taller than the last time I was here, so you probably don't recognize me. But it's been many years. I do appreciate the invitation to come up and share again. Uh, before we start off the meeting, just so you know who I am, I'm missionary Leighton Kelly. I'm a missionary down in Dublin. I'm a missionary to the addicted, so my sole focus in, in life with my family is to reach uh, people coming from a background of addiction, homelessness, people with major issues like that, reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I run a, uh, a residential home for uh, 25 uh, men down in Dublin. Uh, we take guys in from, from the north, we take them in from the UK and, and all over Ireland. And our goal is to reach them with the gospel for Jesus Christ. He is the only answer for somebody caught in addiction. And uh, we're going to share a little bit about that tonight. You're going to have my friend, one of my staff, uh, Aidan, come and share his testimony with you before uh, I come back up and share with you. Um, I have some prayer cards outside, so please pray for us. Um, you know, our young people are being destroyed by drugs and alcohol. Um, it's, on the, it's on the increase. Things aren't getting any better. No matter how much money the government might throw at the problem, the problem just seems to get worse. And my desire is to give you as the church a burden to pray for the addicted, to pray for the ministries that are trying to reach the addicted, and maybe to encourage it to have maybe more of a focus or more of a heart to go and reach people that's maybe a little bit uncomfortable to go reach. And uh, we, will, we will look at that this evening. So without further ado, we'll get Aidan uh, on to share his testimony, which I will have to give him a cut off. If you see me pulling him back, it's because he's taken too long, okay? But uh, very glad to be with us again, Aidan. Thanks very much. Um, yeah, I'm Aidan. Um, I work in New Hope Residential Centre. Um, I've been there now nearly six years. Um, but I've been connected to the centre ever since it's been open. Um, I met Leighton first in the year 2000, and we've been working together ever since. I got saved in 1997 out of a, a council house in the north side of Dublin, in a place called Kilock. Um, and I'll, I'm going to share a small bit of my testimony. As Leighton says, I'm a little bit long-winded. Um, I can talk and talk and talk and talk and just keep talking. Because of what God has done in my life, if people find it hard to shut me up because I've got a story to tell. You know, I have a message of hope that people need to hear. And we're not here to give the devil glory, we're here to give God glory. Because if I had not been for God on my side, I would be dead today. And I just want to uh, share a, um, a bit of scripture with us for a second. And it's in Psalm 30. And it says, I will exalt thee, O Lord, for thou hast lifted me up, and thou hast made my foe to rejoice over me. Um, o Lord, my God, I cried unto thee, and thou hast healed me. O Lord, thou hast brought me, thou hast brought up my soul from the grave, and thou hast kept me alive. And I should not go down to the pit. And that's a perfect scripture for my testimony because I should be dead today. In 1994, I was kidnapped and I was brought to a forest area. I was blindfolded, stripped naked and broken up basically. My two legs are broken, my two arms are broken and I was 
um, left a die in a corner. Um, I had been involved in the drug activity um, on the north side of Dublin, um, and I got a little bit too deep into it, that when something went wrong, um, I got the blame and I was taken away. But in 1997, I was sitting in a bedroom. I had contemplated my life and I had thought about where I was at in my life. I was in a bad, bad state. I was six and a half stone. I was yellow from head to toe with the jaunders and I was riddled with hepatitis C. I had been a heroin user for 16 years. And I don't know if you know any heroin users, but their lifestyle is very, very chaotic. Um, they don't know what they're doing from one minute of the day to the next minute of the day. If it meant me going out and stealing for money, I would go out and steal for money. If it meant out and, and brought violence upon people, I would go out and bring violence upon people. Just to get my money to feed my habit. Um, at the, at, you know, in the early days, you know, it kind of came quick and easy. But sooner or later that goes. Sooner or later you get that caught up in it and that addicted to it, that it becomes a lifestyle of yours. That controls you. And I remember sitting on the end of my bed and saying, what am I going to do? I can't go on like this anymore. My family were sick of me. Um, I was sick of me. So I made a decision to commit suicide. Now, hindsight is a great thing, and me standing here tonight tells you that I didn't carry that through. But it was only because of God's hand on my life that I didn't carry that through. And I sat in the bedroom for three and a half years, never coming outside of the house one day out of that three and a half years, out of fear that the people that had abducted me were going to kill me on the streets. And I, I, I got depressed, I got angry, um, I was full of fear and anxiety, and I just, you know, totally came to the end of myself. It's great over the years learning the scriptures and, you know, learning that God will always be there no matter, no matter where you are in life. I never knew that, and nobody ever told me that. So I thought, you know something, to give my family a break, to give the community a break, to give me a break, I was going to commit suicide. That same night, a man came knocking at my door, a Christian drug counsellor. Didn't know who he was, where he was. I never dealt with anybody like that. Um, he came looking for my brother. But I was after telling my mother what I was going to do. And because of my mother and the state that she was in and, and the torment I had brought on, on the family, you know, just out of anger and frustration of her, she turned around and says, you know, son, it's probably for the best, for you and for everybody else. But this man came along and he came up and sat on the end of my bed. He looked at me in the state that I was in. There was dirty needles and blood all on the walls and there was tinfoil and there was, you know, the room was a terrible, terrible state. And he sat down and looked me in the eyes. And when somebody's just about to tell you the truth, they look you in the eyes. And he says to me, life doesn't have to be like this. And I thought, who are you? This is the way life has always been for me. There is no other way. And he started to share the other way with me. And I was listening and I wasn't listening. I was just after having a hit of heroin. I was going to goofing and awake and goofing and awake. But he never stopped. And he kept going. 
And I seen something different in him that I saw in the councils that I had visited over the years, in the methadone programs that I joined on, in the doctor that I went over and saw, in the tablets that he gave me, in the prisons, in, in the psychiatric wards. But there was something different about this fella. This fella sat down and just spoke to me. You know, there was, there was a way about him. And he says to me, give me 24 hours and I'll have you out of the country and you can start to live a new life. I says, okay. Didn't think he would do it. Been promised loads of things through my addicted life of people that wanted to help me. And I always believed that do-gooders do, some harm, do more harm than they do good. And I didn't really have any faith in him that he was going to fulfill the promise that he had given me. The next morning... 8 o'clock in the morning, a knock comes on the door, are you ready to go? I'm thinking, oh, I wasn't expecting that. Packed the bag, walked down the path, looked back, my poor mother standing in the, in the porch door, um, and I says, I'm going away to get help, and I'll not be back. And you know what she says? <laughs> You'll not be back. Don't come back. And she was right. And for 16 years, I never went back anywhere near Dublin. I ended up in Wales, I ended up in a Christian program, like the program that we run ourselves. I learned the value of life. But not only that, I learned that Jesus loved me and had a plan and a purpose for my life. And that plan was for good and not for evil. And all through my life, I lived as somebody with evil intent inside me. But when I found out that there was goodness in me, when I asked Jesus into my life, it became the hope that I needed to live in life, and, and, and I, 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 I became a Christian. Um, for two and a half years, for well, two years, three months, I, I went through that program in, in Wales, in a place called Gorslas in Swansea, and I moved from there to Yorkshire. I became a staff member in one of the programs. I wanted to give back. I wanted people like me to see that there is hope. I wanted people like me to come into, it, into my, you know, where I am for me to tell them their story and give them that little bit of hope that Jesus is at work in lives today. Not only 2,000 years ago, today. He can do it in your life today. And I stayed there for another six months and then I moved to Scotland and stayed in Scotland for 16 years. I got involved in the local prison in Scotland, a, a prison called Bow House, a Kamarnock Prison. And I became a volunteer chaplain in there for 10 years. And I went in there to bring the message of faith, hope and love to, to, to a system who only believed in, in, you know, in crime, who only believed in drug dealing, who only believed in violence, who only believed in themselves and, and nothing else. And, and within them 10 years, I've I seen um, men being um, set free and, and saved out of the pit of despair that they were also in. Came back to Ireland six years ago, linked back in with Leighton, and walk in New Hope Residential Centre now. And you know something? We never stop growing. I've been a Christian for 23 years, and it's like as if I only got saved yesterday. Because we never stop growing. We're hungry. We're hungry for God to do the work in us so we can pass it on to somebody else. God, he prayed for the homeless in Dublin. It's disastrous. It's so bad that it's, it's, it's so bad. 
The, the addiction in the area where we have a, a, a rehab is so bad. Crack cocaine is on the high. Heroin is no longer as big a drug as what it used to be, but crack, crack cocaine, tablets, um, powder cocaine, you know, is at a rise. And it's not through older people. The, the people that are using are getting younger and younger and younger. And the men that we take into our home, um, one of the youngest lads we ha have in at the moment is a 20-year-old lad who had probably been on drugs since he was about 14. And to give this lad a little bit of help and to point him in the right direction and pray that he accepts Jesus as his Lord and Savior, that when he leaves, he is able to go out and live, as we say, a life worth living. The life that I was living wasn't a life worth living. You know, I grew up wanting to be a footballer, but I became a drug addict. I grew up wanting to, to, to be successful in my life, and all I was was a failure. I grew up in, 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 a, in a house where my, my family loved me, but had no control over me. But for the last 23 years, I know what real hope is. For the last 23 years, I know what real life is. And for the last 23 years, I know that God can do exceedingly above all that I could ever think or even imagine. Because he's bigger than me. He's bigger than you. He's bigger than any addiction. And he's, he, he, he's worth giving a shot. And you know something? I love what I do because there's a purpose behind it. I see men getting miracles happening in their lives every day of the week. What a job to be able to be in that knowing that God is doing a great work. And these men, don't get me wrong, not all the make it, but the ones that really want it, the ones that really take Jesus on board, the ones that really know that there is a life, um, a prosperous life out there for them, they're the ones that make it, you know. It was only in my desperation that I called out to the Lord and he heard me. If I didn't get that low, if I didn't get to that place of desperation, I would have never called out to the Lord. But I'm so glad that I did. I'm so glad that God has forgiven me for all the wrong things that I have done. I'm so glad that I have a God who is able to cleanse me from the top of my head to the tip of my toes. And that I'm able to live that life that is worth living and give back a little bit to God for the big bit that he has given me. So, you know, I hope you've understood me. You know, I, I'm from the common bit of Dublin. He's from the posh bit. So you'll probably understand him that little bit better than where I, where I am. But you know something? If you're here and you're here to hear something that you've never heard before, listen to this. God loves you. The Bible tells us that he's not a respecter of any persons. God loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only one and begotten son that whosoever believes in him, whosoever, shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's you. And that was me in 1997. So, I hope you're blessed. I'm just leaving a little bit of time for Lenten, or I'll be getting it in the car for the next two hours on the way back to Dublin. You know, so I hope you're blessed.
Thanks very much.